Hey, this is Joris from Splodders. Thanks for listening to Heavy Cardboard. Heavy Cardboard, episode 62, The Look Ahead. Coming to you from a brand new world, Denver, Colorado, welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts, I'm Edward. And I'm Amanda. I'm Ash. And I'm Matt. Well, I feel like I owe y'all, or we owe y'all an explanation. We had every intention of reviewing High Treason for this episode. We even got an interview with Alex Berry, the designer. But, well, the basement is finished. And that kind of took priority. Yes. Uh, So what that means is we're cheating a bit this week. We realized very late this week, due to the basement finishing, as well as Alex Berry stopping by last night to to play a game, that we weren't going to have enough plays of any game to do a review justice. So instead of giving a game short shrift and considering I just finished the initial going over of the heavy cardboard 2017 anticipation list, why not highlight some of those games? So, with that said... Since Amanda doesn't quote-unquote anticipate games uh, or, you know, hunting, anticipate, that whole deal. And with the super short notice that we decided to do this, we thought we'd bring a couple folks from our local game group to join us. So Ash, who was previously on the post-HeavyCon episode, right? Yes. Hi again. Uh (laughs) And, And Matt, our roommate and fellow game junkie. Hello. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what we're going to do this episode. Um, what else we got? Let's see. I hit my goal. I finally reached my goal, my weight loss goal, uh, from 254 down to 210. Yay! So, and I've been there about, realistically, I've been there the better part of three months. It's just been, I haven't been able to get below 211 mm-hmm. or 210.8, but I finally hit it, uh, on Sunday. So really excited. But to be honest, it was... It was almost anticlimactic just for the simple fact that, cool, I reached my goal. Now I'm going to continue eating the way I've been eating. It's not like all of a sudden it's a full stop and you're not going to eat like we have been for a year. Yeah. uh, Like you were asking me, what do I want? Like as a reward or or like, uh, hey, cool, you made it. So what do you want? And I was thinking maybe start a sleeve. For my tattoo, I was thinking maybe start an arcade. The arcade machines. Yes, the arcade box. Yeah, an arcade box. Um, you know, but the difference between like Miss Pac-Man uh, box or whatever that this one would play, you know, 100 games or whatever. So I'm thinking about doing that. Uh, yeah, other than that, just cool. All right, great. Moving on. Keep on keeping on. What else? What you got? Um, well, so I have decided, which is news to everyone here at this table, including my husband, that I am going to commit to two things in 2017. I uh, bet you I know what one of those is. Um, I'm, every day I'm going to do yoga, and I'm going to play a game. 
not every day is going to be a full hour practice and four eras of the colonists. <laughs> you know, some days maybe just a set of sun salutations and playing fire or something. But I'm going to. I'm committing right now to it. To right. everyone here and all of our listeners. So you guys may be inundated with, I don't know, more board game pictures or more yoga sharing. I have no idea, but there it is. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, I'm on board. Very well. And speaking of which, how freaking awesome is the colonist? It doesn't suck. No. It's, um, it, it, yeah, we'll talk more about this here in a little bit, but yeah, it's definitely been getting a lot of table play for sure. Mm hmm. Uh, the only other thing I got is, let's see, by the time this releases, we're looking at eight days, I think, uh, and we'll be at the Arizona Game Fair down in Phoenix, Arizona, put on by our buddy Andrew Long. Um, he's having us down as the quote unquote VIP guest, special guest, whatever. So bottom line, we're going down there to play games with folks. So if y'all are in the Phoenix area or thinking about coming to the Phoenix area and going to the Arizona game fair, go check it out. We'll be there and let's get in some games the uh, following weekend. So hopefully we'll see y'all there. This episode is brought to you by boardgametables.com. If you're in the market for a beautiful, hand-built, custom board game table that is sure to become the centerpiece of your game room, go check them out over at BoardGameTables.com and tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. I know we got an iTunes review, right? Yeah, we only got one lonely iTunes review, but <laughs> but it was a great one. So thank you very much to Munchenick for taking the time to leave us a great review. We really appreciate it. And if you haven't left us a review... Take that as a hint, please. Yes, please do. We also want to highlight our latest Patreon supporters, Darren, Amos K, Garrett Goon, and the fellows over at Terra Nova Games. So thanks a lot for the support, y'all. Seriously, we couldn't be doing this as often and as much and as in-depth as we are without everybody supporting us on Patreon. And we'd love to be able to cover more cons this year. So if that's something that interests y'all, consider supporting us on Patreon. Thanks a lot. So now that we've kind of dominated the front end of the show, y'all want to kind of introduce yourselves as far as a little bit about you, Ash? My name is Ash Jackson. Uh, I've been playing our hobby board games for a long time now. I was saying the other day how I'm both early and late to our hobby. Um, I've been playing our kinds of board games since the late 90s, but because of architecture school and lots of other reasons... I'm not as well versed in kind of the classics and the standards as I might be. Um, for me personally, uh, I have a three-year-old son who's just amazing and adorable. He turned three on New Year's Day this year, and his language has just blossomed so much. It's so much fun. He'll run up to me and say, Dad, 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 there's a spider. There's a spider. And I say, really? There's really a spider? He says, no, it's pretend. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, my name is uh, Matt McChesney. Um I am here basically because I was a listener just like you guys out there. And um, I, I tweeted at Edward at some point um, after we moved here to Colorado, and uh, he invited me down to play some games, and I haven't left. In fact, I moved in. Um, we I can't kept, get rid of you! I just kept coming and coming and coming till it, you guys said, hey, do you want to stay overnight and play tomorrow too? And then the next day, and the next day, and then I just moved in. Yes. Um, and then my wife moved in as well. So um, <laughs> She came down later, yeah. yeah. That's she came it. Down later. Right. Um, it, I had her hooked with her, really, because she brought the food, she brought the she brought all the Weight Watchers yes. stuff. So, that is true, which um, we are very grateful for. Yes, we are. I just 
started playing uh, board games about. I just got the uh, the Facebook notification that it was 2011 um, that that I actually started in the board game hobby, and we started a game group for video games. And it, we ran out of controllers and started playing board games. <laughs> it was Munchkin and Catan. And then it's expanded greatly since then. That's so. that's really awesome. So video gamer to board gamer. Yep. Very cool. All right. So let's start on the acquired list. You know, it's funny. We're in the process of moving the games down to the basement. And I was like, oh, man, I have no idea what we've gotten like two, three games. Right. And then Amanda went downstairs and is hollering up at me. Oh, and this. Oh, and this. And, th- and I was like, oh, man. All right. So here we go. We're, we'll do this real quick. Kickstarter just got in. Days of Ire, Budapest, 1956. The theme is super interesting to me. It's it's something that isn't uh, commonly known here in the States by a lot of us. So I backed it. I'm excited to get that to the table. Tramways, which has been seeing table time by Albin Viard. A couple of, speaking of Albin, a couple of older Age of Steam maps. Uh, Fukushima, Cher- Chernobyl, the human body and synapses we got, as well as his new ones from late last year, Cuba and Sicily, as well as the ice pack and solar system maps. So thanks to uh, Albin for getting those out to us. Matt actually picked up a copy of The Colonists, which I'm grateful for, but we're still waiting on our review copy, Mayfair. The Rococo Jewelry Expansion we got for one of our favorite midweight games that we reviewed a while back. First Class, which is kind of Russian Railroads, the card game, kind of, by O&O, the the fellas uh, that designed Russian Railroads. Picked that up from our folks over at, uh, our friends over at Game Surplus. Power Grid, the card game we got from Tony for Christmas. Omen, Edge of the Aegean, is a standalone two-player card game that follows up on another favorite uh, filler card game of ours, Omen, The Reign of War. Then, my Santa Grog's present, which was an infamous traffic. Excellent choice there. Thanks, Santa Grog's. My secret elephant gifts, which I feel terrible for whoever really gets me or Amanda. Trying to shop for us has got to be, well, just crappy. That's got to be difficult. So, that said, I do think that our Secret Santas both kind of nailed yeah, us, don't did. you think? Yeah, they did. They did. So for me, they got Watson and Holmes, which is a deduction worker placement game that it's one that I was interested in, but not interested in enough to actually go out and buy. So that was truly like the perfect kind of gift, as well as Stronghold. 2.0, which is the, the reprint of the original Stronghold. A couple other things that my secret elephant did was pretty sure I know who it was, but they took the time to do a Twas the Night Before Christmas uh, poem uh, written for us or me, heavy cardboard and everything. And the amount of time that that must have taken, I'll be honest, the games were cool He also got me a printout of something else that I wanted, a print-and-play game called Utopia Engine. Those things were all cool and great, but the thought and the the effort and the work that went into the poem, that's what this is about. You know, it's not about... I mean, yeah, sure, it's about getting cool games and all that. Yeah, but the fact that somebody took the time to do that, that really blew me away. So thank you, Santa Davis. I appreciate that, and uh, yeah... That really meant a lot to me. And, you know, by the time you all hear this, hopefully I got off my ass and actually updated the whole, hey, 
what did my secret elephant send to me? Because I have totally slacked on that, so I apologize. But yeah, awesome. I was blown away with that. You want to tell them what you got? So, I mean, yes, it's for us, but it's for right, you, right? right? My Santa Davis got me the Dominion Intrigue 2.0 upgrade set. He also got me Dominion Guilds and Cornucopia. Oh, my goods. Motany. Matani, Matani, something like that. Matt yeah, yeah. says it's called Matani, and that only he and I can play it together. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, basically, a whole bunch of card games. Yes. Which I'm perfectly fine with. So, yeah, I think they did really, really well with that. And on top of that... Yes, my secret elephant got Asher some cod treats, which smell absolutely dreadful, but he loves them. Asher loves them, so there's that. Yep. Y'all got anything? Uh, I do. Uh, Since it's Christmas time, I get to play Santa for myself when it comes to board games. (laughs) Um, The first one was my copy of Crisis, came in from Kickstarter, or rather from Ludi Creations. I... uh, Bought a copy of Pax Renaissance with the expansion uh, from Game Surplus when they got it back in stock. I also uh, had arrive a copy of Cable Car, and just today, my copy of Kansas Pacific arrived as well. And for my three-year-old son, uh, I bought him a little game called Go Away Monster, which I'm very, very excited to try. Cool. Very cool. And now that you mentioned Cable Car, I totally forgot. Got a copy of that as well. So, yeah, good call. Because it was like 12 bucks on Amazon. Oh, yeah. It was a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. A train game for $10. Yeah, a train game with stock investing to boot. All day long. You bet. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll share what my secret elephant got me as well. Um, My secret elephant got me uh, Polis, Fight for the Hegemony. Hegemony? Fight for the hegemony. All right. Yeah. So um, that's a great little uh, two-player game that I know me and Dana are going to enjoy. And Dungeon Lords um, was the other one. Um, We played Dungeon Pets and quite enjoyed that, so um, wanted to get that as well. Cool. Yeah, I think uh, overall, I got to say, speaking of the secret elephant, because our buddy Skippin is the one who actually runs it for me, so because we have enough on our plate as is, he was gracious enough to do that, and last I heard, no Grinches. Everybody came through. I'll be honest, I hoped for that, and I kind of expected that, because we do have a platform to out people that don't follow through, so maybe it's 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 uh, it's honoring that through paranoia. But what I like to think of it is, is just, you know what, we got good people in the guild that wanted to participate. And, and everyone that, steps up. Yeah, yeah, and everybody really did. And so far I haven't heard anything. So that's that really makes me happy. That's awesome. That's so cool for everyone to step up. And like you said, to go over the top more than just buying some some new or out of print or hard to find game, but kind of the the story and all the the trappings to go with. Yeah, it. the little touches. Like some people sent, you know, the, from overseas, they sent you know little food items or little oh, cool. candies or or whatever. And I think that's just a really really special kind of thing that the community does. I mean, don't get me wrong, other secret Santas on BGG do the same and and all that, but. The fact that it's a little bit of a more intimate community mm-hmm. that that has has grown up around all of this, I think, is just it's awesome. Well, it you really know, is your cool. vibe attracts your tribe, and I think we have a pretty good tribe around here. Yeah, I, I I never heard that, but I like that. All right, so as far as hunting, anticipating, shopping list, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I really only have two things for myself. 
the first, uh, both are war games, actually. Uh, the Lamps are going out, which is a two to four player war game from Compass Games. Covers the First World War. I've spoken about it previously on, on earlier episodes, and there are some mixed thoughts on the game, but there's enough positive out there that I really, really want to get a copy of this. So so that's one that I'm chasing. And then the other, which is actually in my list, in my top 10 here coming up, but it's about to ship. So it's already been charged from GMT, and that's the World War One block game, Fields of Despair, two-player uh, block game uh, that... I've been super jazzed about it ever since I heard about it last year. And obviously the the anticipation list that, I mean, it's, what, 60 some odd games long already? And here we are on January 9th, I think it is. So how about y'all? Are y'all chasing anything or, or really excited about something that isn't on your anticipation list? I am actually. It seems a little odd to say that I'm hunting it uh, because it's already en route to me. Uh, and that's The Colonists. And the other game that I'm looking at is uh, Festung Europa, the World War II war game from from the German perspective. Yep, and we actually are fortunate enough to have gotten a copy of it. So I'll tell you what, you learn the rules, you teach it, we'll play it. Deal. All right. Um, I am very lucky in that I live in a house with heavy cardboard. (laughs) So (laughs) games just come to me and they get put on the table and I play them. That's what happens to me. I know, Right. right? Um, so there's not a whole lot that I'm actively hunting at the moment. There, there's kind of no need for me to hunt a whole lot at the moment. Yeah, it's so. good to be you. It and is I, a little. It's good to be us. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but yeah, that's. I guess that's a. We have a. We're very fortunate with our game group. Not just us, me and Amanda. Um, you know, getting all the games, be it uh, review copies or buying them or whatever. But we're also fortunate in that we have two just sick train gamers in our group in Chad, Paul Chad and Tony, none of us really need to buy 18xx games cuz they're as bad on those as we are on war games and euros. So pretty much we have access to almost anything mm-hmm. to try before we buy. It doesn't always play out that way maybe. Uh, and maybe our group doesn't need three copies or four copies of 1822. I get that. I get that. <laughs> or but, maybe you do. I was about or to say, I disagree. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's uh, we're, we're very, very fortunate with our game group. We have a group, a solid group of, I'd say somewhere around 18 to 25 of us that come and go. I mean, here and there. But there's a core of about 15 of us that we're just really fortunate. And so... We've said in the past, if y'all are ever interested in coming to a game day, if you're in Denver, stop by, holler at us, give us a week heads up, and and let's do this. That's actually how I uh, came to find the game group side of the of the podcast. Um, I bought a, a game off of Tony from his kind of rental collection, uh, and he said, yeah, come over, pick it up, uh, and it was game day. And I stuck around, and a, a little like Matt, uh, I just kept kept coming and kept playing games. We ran out of beds, though, so you couldn't move in. Sorry well, about that. Yeah, but... <laughs> All right, let's, so let's talk about what we've been playing. Because, you know, I mean, we are playing a game every day. Yeah, the Endless Game Day is still going strong. We're over 70 straight days, and I apologize for not updating the geek list. I've been slacking. I've been doing the other stuff, but you don't need to hear that. 
just know that by the time this airs, it will be updated. So I want to say we're at day 72 or 73 today, which in fact, after we're done uh, with the show tonight, we're actually going to bust out a four-player game of something. But what have we been playing? Um, Well, I, I think I can speak for all of us when I say a whole lot of the colonists. We got it on Christmas Eve, which was a total surprise. We weren't supposed to get it until the following week. And it actually got delivered to our neighbor's house. And the neighbor knocked on the door. There was a box. And I was like, huh, you know, it's five days early, but it sure feels like the right weight and the right shape of the box. So, yeah, the colonists has been getting a ton of play between all of us. That was so cool to have it show up on Christmas Eve. Um, you know, here with the uh, Edwards fancy Christmas Eve dinner and getting to, to play this game that, you know, we all thought wasn't going to be here for another week. And everybody had been talking it up, you know, all hot and bothered since BGGCon uh, about this game. And I'm so, so happy that I've gotten to play it, not just then, but since. Yeah, it was a demo and we didn't even play the entire first era and everybody was like, yeah, we're going to need about 16 uh-huh. copies of this, I <laughs> yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and I think I said this, I mentioned this on the show previously, that uh, Mayfair still has it in their uh, back pocket for more eras, which that becomes a weekend game. I mean, truly, that that an eight-era game is just, whoa. That I mean, that takes it to a level that, like, do you have plutonium? <laughs> that, you know, right. eventually you need, you know, because it scales up, you know, as you go along from right. from wood and clay all the way up to steel. But, yeah, needless to say, we're all really smitten with the game and super excited to play it more, which I think I've played the game six times now, and I'm not tired of it, so that bodes well. And there's so many different ways, you know, hey, we'll play era one and two, or we'll play two and three, and then we'll just set up, you know, we'll uh, abstract out era one and do that whole deal. There's different permutations, and... That's why we haven't reviewed it yet is we want to try all these different permutations before we get it and review it. We want to do it justice. So long way of saying, yeah, the colonists, really good. Yes. Uh, last night, actually, we got in a game of Mari Nostrum, actually present company all included. And then we had Alex Berry, designer of High Treason, the trial of Louis Rial. He came by. He said he was going to be in town. And we were like, yeah, let's let's play a game. And he chose Mari Nostrum. So, so what'd you all think? I I was very pleasantly surprised at how how much I enjoyed that game. Yeah, same here. It 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 was very interesting that there was five different factions that we were all playing, and none of them felt overpowered. All of them felt very balanced together. I didn't feel um, like oh man, why could I've been Egypt? That you know, so much easier, you know, something like that. But no, they all felt very balanced. I played it before, and so I was happy to continue my march around the table. I've now played three of the five kind of base factions, and uh, just like Amanda said, each of them, though asymmetric, has has their good kind of starting starting footing. And for Mari Nostrum's Empires is what we played. I like how abstracted it is, where the opening moves for each almost becomes scripted. Where you know, as Egypt. You're you're gonna start by building a fortress on the coast, or you're gonna be sorry. 
I was Egypt. I was sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, me as well as uh, as Greece. I, I had uh, I had uh, Mr. Warmonger on my back door, so I had to make sure that that was that was nicely shored up and then moved yeah, the other way. Seriously, Alex, who knew, huh? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, that, that, that was that was on my back door. But, yeah, uh, maybe letting Edward play Rome was a very good choice for our first for the the table's first play of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I struggled with it uh, in a good way. That I really, really appreciated the way that the trading worked in that. I love that uh, whoever is the leader in the various different uh, uh, tracks, you dictate, hey, if you're Carthage and you're leading on trading, you say how many goods we're going to trade, and then you start the trading. And then as Rome... I was able to decide who's going to move and attack and in what order. And it was, I've never played a game that has that type of mechanic in it, that one player gets to dictate turn order for everyone else. And I thought, this is not going to, wow, this works really well. (laughs) This is really cool. So yeah, really, really pleasantly surprised. Um, It ended up being to where, honestly, I felt like all four of y'all had a, were all close to winning the game. Me as Rome, I got stuck in this whole rut of, oh, hey, I can go do the, and now retract, or expand, retract, expand, retract. <laughs> and I couldn't get any solid footing, but that was just due to poor play on my part, whereas I thought all four of everyone else was right there in the thick of it. I wouldn't sell yourself short. I think that was a competent play on both Greece and uh Matt and Carthage, Alex's part. I think that they did their jobs. You know, in that game, it's the job of your neighbors to kind of elbow you back. And so I wouldn't say that it was bad play on your part. I would. It was just exemplary play play on their parts. I'll I'll buy that. I'll take that, yeah. That was good. Uh, I thought for sure Alex was going to win. He's played it a bunch more than than me or or us. And then at the very end, I just squeaked by by the tip. Yeah, both of you actually had uh, met the win conditions. You just won with the uh, the insta-win one, right? Cool. So another game that's been getting a lot of uh, table time, which I don't want to talk about too much for the simple fact that we're going to review it next week, and that's High Treason, The Trial of Louis Real. Uh, Not many games where you get to play as the prosecution and defense in a trial, and by not many, I mean there's one that I know of, and that's it. called High Treason. (laughs) Right. Um, We'll save the rest for later, but early plays, I think everybody who's played it has really thoroughly enjoyed it. Right, I've played both sides. I've enjoyed it both, even though prosecution is hard. Yeah, uh, being the prosecutor is is difficult early on in your early plays that we've found, at least. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean, that's, again, due to poor play, I think, on our part. Going to be playing the hell out of it the next week and a half. Tramways has hit the table a couple of times. And I got to say that uh, Alvin Viard is getting better at his rule books, and that's a pleasant surprise. There were still some ambiguities in there, but overall, I think I think learning from the rule book, I think it's played pretty smoothly so mm-hmm. far. I would think so. Yeah, it's it's I haven't we haven't really had any problems. We've had a couple of questions, but nothing major right age of steam experience helps yes it really does uh our buddy paul grogan from gaming rules he doesn't have that age of steam experience and so he he was tripped up a little bit more than we were which the rule book should cover you know it shouldn't have that gap in it Mm -hmm. but we'll talk more about that when we uh when we actually feature it but so far yeah it's age of steam 
meets kind of small city-ish is a good, I'd say 80% uh, age esteem and about 20% small city. That, that feels about right. Yeah. 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 So, so obviously we enjoy both those games. So for us, at least it's, it's, it's a win yeah. thus far. Had a baby and made tramways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple of games that I've been playing outside of our uh, Saturday board game group. I finally was able to get to the table 1775, the Academy Games Birth of America uh, series game. Uh, it was fun. It was a nice little kind of intro, almost war game. You know, it kind of has those trappings. Kind of waro esque oh, to yeah. where it's a, it's a mix between that, them. That's yeah. a very good way to say it. Um, it was my first play, uh, my opponent's too, and so neither of us pursued aggressively enough the treaty track to try to end the war when it was our time. Um, ultimately won a war of attrition. I was the rebels against the British. Uh, another game that I was able to play was Hellas, or Elas, uh, an old, old Cosmos two-player game from 2002. Um, and I've played uh, a number of those old Cosmos two-player games, and this might be my favorite. Uh, it's a fun little uh, kind of uh, area control, race to 10 points kind of kind of game. And it's neat. It reminded me of Mare Nostrum Empires because almost everywhere on the map is vulnerable at all times. And it's it has a very fun tension in that way, you know, in 30, 40 minutes. I was just going to ask, uh, what's the playtime on that when you compared it to Mare Nostrum? You're just saying in the feel of it, not so much the actual mechanics of yeah, it? Yeah, they, they both had that knife fight in an elevator kind of feel. Okay, cool. Um, Panthelos hit the table again. Uh, Banker Dave requested that we play it, and we did, and we had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's nice. One really great thing about this Endless Game Day is we're able to go back and get some of these games that we've covered that a lot of times when we put them to bed, we put them to bed for a long time. Yeah. Uh, But fortunately, with this gaming every day, it's bringing out all these... Not older, older games, but games that we've already covered. And yeah, I I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I did too. It was fun. Colony from Bezier Games. We've only played it once so far, and that was totally just a learning game between Matt and I. Mm-hmm. And uh, dice drafting, and it you actually roll the dice in this game. Uh, it seemed like kind of a uh, like a post-apocalyptic kind of general basic theme to the whole game, to where you're buying cards and all that. Right, you're you're building a tableau. You're kind of building an, an engine that lets you change the dice so you can have different abilities and go back and forth like that. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll play it more. going to touch on it definitely uh, as we go along. We, the other night, we got uh, Fire to the table, which is an old Theta Games, uh, basically a fancy version of Jenga, really, yeah. I think is what it was. Um, pretty cool. It's, 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 I think you said it best, Matt, to where they're, they're round pieces instead of square. And that's basically the difference. Mm-hmm. And it's prettier. Which, which makes it trickier, for sure. Yeah. It does. Uh, because as as pieces slide down, if they move more than a quote-unquote negligible amount, there's total ambiguity as to what's negligible and what's not. So we kind of just agreed, yeah, that moved too much or that didn't. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it was pretty cool. Made you think and in, in, in looking at uh, the way... Oh, can I pull that out in the center? Is there enough leverage there to where is it kind of, uh, is it held together with the other pieces? Is there enough weight pushing out on the circle to be able to get that piece out of the middle? Ultimately, 
it looks good on the shelf. It's pretty cool. And we got it for, I think, 20 bucks at a local auction. So it was hard to pass up. Would I recommend anyone going out and trying to actually chase the game? I'd say no, No. but if it falls into your lap, hey, great. Yeah, I remember whenever I saw it up on the shelf at the auction, I was I was like hitting you. I was so excited, so because I'm on the lookout for Theta games always. (laughs) It's a Theta on the box. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. Well, they're actually they're they're really easy to spot uh, boxes because they're huge. Like they're like uh, pizza size boxes, Uh uh, black. Um, and they're only about, I don't know, two, three inches thick or whatever. At least these, the two that we have, Saturn and Fire. I just wish Amanda could find Horus. I'm trying. That's the one that I really want, <laughs> but yet I don't want to spend four to $600 on it because I've heard it's, the game's okay. I don't want it for that. But anyway, if we stumble on it, we stumble on it. Matt turned us on to Hugh. Uh, it's uh, I. What do you call the the little pack? They're Paco games uh, from uh, Chris Handy. Um, they come in all kinds of flavors of games. That just happens to be the one that I I tend to pull out the most. It's my favorite one so far of them. Um, there are quite a few others. They all have three letter names and they're all about the size of a pack of gum. Um, they're great for like pulling out when you want to play a game before you get your meal at a restaurant or something because they're all small table size and, and easy to play and easy to learn. And it's thinky. I yeah. mean, that's yeah. that that was very much our type of game. I really, really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I did too. It was a lot more than I expected. 1822 hit the table. Uh, Paul, Chad, and Tony came over, and it was them, Matt, me, Amanda. And uh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And here, this just in, it's one of our favorite games from 2016, but I don't think that's really a big surprise there. No. Capital from Grana, I think is how you pronounce it. I picked it up at Essen. Um, Matt and I played a intro game, uh, just a, you know, a learning game of it, and Card City plus a little bit, maybe. Yeah, kind of yeah, is a I'd good. Say the next level of Card City up up a bit. Um, it's definitely got the adjacency and things next to things um, going on, and you're building up squares on a table to make a city. But there's a little bit more to it than that. It's got some other stuff to it. the The art was pretty cool. I like that. I like that we were uh, building a city, and most of the buildings were from that city. So, yeah, yeah, I believe it's Warsaw, right? right. And, Warsaw. and it mm-hmm. goes over the the history of Warsaw uh, from pre World War One to modern times. And I, I I got it because I think the history of it is pretty cool, and it's not some generic just oh you're building a city. No, you're building Warsaw. I think that was cool. The, the it represents the damage. That World War One and World War Two did in the city, you have to remove a couple of cards or a couple of tiles, and yeah, you can overbuild on 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 buildings just like you know buildings get raised and they get built on top and where they were. So yeah, I I, I dug it. Only one play, so I I don't feel comfortable saying whether I like that or Card City, which we've also gotten to the table a couple of times recently. I don't know. Do you? I think they're 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 different enough um, because Card City is definitely more of a, a. They're both kind of in the filler area. This is a little bit longer, so yeah, um, this is closer to an hour or so. Yeah, yeah. So I would I would say they're in different categories for sure, but I enjoy both of them um, in different ways. So we got Fate of Akalon Tribes to the table a few more times. Quick little, uh, not really deck builder, just card playing game. Uh, that we've talked about a few times previously on the on the on the show, 
Um, everybody's enjoying it. Who's played it? That's that's perfect for a little 15-minute little filler. Also got SNCF, Transcontinental Railroads, which is Tony's expansion map for HeavyCon 2016. Got that to the table, which I really enjoy that map. It's it, it feels like SNCF, but it feels like a different map. It's not just, oh, we're doing the same thing. No, it has the, the Transcontinental stuff. It has, it, yeah, it just, it feels like its own expansion to the game, which is exactly what you would want. And yes, before you ask, we are still giving them away in contests. You'll have more chances coming soon. And no, you cannot print it yet. Maybe eventually. But as it is right now, we're doing giveaways with it. So we'll have more out then. Terraforming Mars, Oddville, Blocus Duo, all have hit the table as well. Is there anything else that I missed? Not that I can remember. No. So is there anything specific that you guys are looking forward to playing? Um, definitely more of the Colonist, because we can't get enough of that one. Um, tramways, some more of that. Um, I would definitely like to get Ave Roma back to the table. We got it to the table once, and we need to get it back to the table again, because I think uh, it's got some really unique worker placement stuff in yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, it was one of my most anticipated games. I still have not played it. Yeah. <laughs> I am really excited to get that to the table. It's just, there's such a glut of games right now. I... First world problems and all that, I understand. But, there, yes, we need to make that happen. Yeah. Good call. So, we've gotten uh, that. Let's see if there's anything else I can think of. Um, nothing else off the top of my head, but uh, the colonist is enough for <laughs> quite a few. Nice. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. As for me, I know on the docket in coming game days is Maria, the three-player game, uh, war game. I'm very interested in seeing the re-implementation of Friedrich. Our, our Patreon supporters actually voted on which quote-unquote war game they wanted us to review first on the show because we've slacked on that, I know. And yes, some people would argue it's not really a war game, that it's more of a waro, but hey, they chose it, so that's up first. The people have spoken. Exactly. Um, hearing y'all talk about tramways, I'm very, very interested in playing that. I'm a train nut. And uh, that means I also really want to play 1822, assuming that I can ramp up my skills in 18xx to actually make for competent competition, as it were. You probably, honestly, you probably won't be the first game, uh, but that's totally normal and totally to sure. be expected. Steer into the bankruptcy is what I keep seeing. <laughs> right. As for me, um, definitely more high treason. I yes. want to, I, I only play the defense. I definitely want to play the prosecution. I want to play the defense and actually see what it feels like to win the game. That'd be cool. <laughs> and obviously more of the colonists because we can't get enough of that game. And we haven't played Dominion in a while. And you did just get those expansions sure from... Sure did. Oh, I see what you did there. Okay. <laughs> as far as me, High Treason is definitely high on my list. The colonists, yeah. I also... Want to play Scythe some more? I, oh, it's something that we want to review on the show, and we need to get that played. And finally, believe it or not, I'm anxious to get Lorenzo Il Magnifico and Feast for Odin back to the table. We want to thank the great folks over at Game Surplus for their sponsorship of the show. Fantastic folks, a great reputation, along with an ever-growing, amazing inventory of imported and hard-to-find games. Well, you can see why we're proud to be partnered with Game Surplus. Their tagline, home of great games at great prices. So check them out, gamesurplus.com. And when you do, mention and tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. As I said back in the opening, I recently published the 
2017 anticipation list for heavy cardboard over on BGG. It's sure to grow throughout the year, and in fact, it already has. But as it stands right now, there were 37, 37 carryovers from previous years and 32 new, new entries that are supposed to be published in 2017. My guess is by the end of the year, we have another 40 to 50 that actually get added onto the list as the year moves on and on. More and more games get announced or we catch wind of them in some form or fashion. So as it is right now, this is our top 10 most anticipated games of the year, at least that we know about here in early January. And because, well, it's it's my show, I have 11. <laughs> And I don't have Tony telling me, no, 10. So, yeah, I I cheated and did 11. So, my first one, or my 11th, as it were, is Space Corp by John Butterfield and GMT Games. It's it's described as a fast-playing game in which players explore and develop outer space over three eras. The thing that I I find most unique about this game is each era plays on a different board. So era one, you play on this board. And then in some way, you transfer the information that's there into the second era. And the first era is you're just uh, exploring and developing out to Mars. In the second era, you're actually settling the outer solar system. And in the third era, players are do missions and stuff at nearby star systems and interstellar colonies and all that. So I don't know the mechanic of how you switch from board to board, but pretty cool idea. And again, I think at this point I have to say that, yeah, space theme doesn't really interest me because I have, well, arguably two, yeah, two games in my top 10 that I'm looking forward to this year that are both heavy space themes. So yeah, I guess I can't say that anymore. Space Corp sounds really cool. Just hearing you talk about it, it sounds like the space game that, so many other space games were trying to be and couldn't be. It was going to be on my list, or it would have been on my list, except I heard about it right now. <laughs> same, same here. So it sounds like it kind of does sort of like, like the about the colonist, where it goes from age one to age two oh, to age three. I thought go. the same thing. Yeah, so um, it, it seems like that would be good to try in space. That's actually oh pretty gosh. clever. I hadn't thought about that. And to be honest with you, this is number 11, and the space game that I'm super excited about is way higher on my list that goes back to kind of what you were talking about, Ash, as far as like the space game that other games try to be. Aspire to be. Yeah, it, it's almost like, the yeah, just the, there's a reason this one's on my list. So, yeah, super excited. And that's Space Corp. My number 10 is Tack, A Beautiful Game. That's spelled T-A-K. It's by James Ernest and Patrick Rothfuss. The second name is actually an author, not a game designer. Published by Cheap Ass Games. It was a Kickstarter from last year, and I backed it. I'm expecting it to arrive this spring. Um, the, the game, briefly, is an abstract game where you're trying to build a road from one side of a square board, either 4x4 or 5x5, to the other side. And your opponent is trying to obstruct you from doing so, either with their normal pieces or with their so-called capstone piece. Uh, it's a beautiful game. I mean, the, the title is is fitting. The wooden pieces, some of the fancier ones, are by, are by Wormwood. 
and, and they I just look gorgeous. Yeah, I saw that uh, actually one of the boards in, in the boxes that Wormwood did at BGG Con. Oh and I gosh. was the just the forget about the game for a minute. The woodwork, just the skill that that took to make that. I was I was really impressed. And not to mention, apparently the game the game sounds interesting. The game's supposed to be solid. Um, it's actually from the writings of Patrick Rothfuss from this fantasy novel that he wrote. Uh, Matt, you know a lot about that. Yes, um, I'm I'm a big fan of Patrick Rothfuss's work, um, especially the uh, the first two books in the King Killer uh, Chronicles. Still waiting on the third, but um, <laughs> you know, for me, I backed it because I think it's novel that they created one of these classic abstract games like Go or chess from scratch today. Like they created the game last you know last spring, and so uh, I think I'm I'm looking forward to playing Tack. Yeah, I. I think it's a, a cool concept, just the way the game came about. It's almost like, um, but in a more serious vein, Cones of Dunshire or whatever that is from the the Arrested Development or Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec, <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. So, but I love the fact that, oh, we can make a game out of that. Obviously, that flopped and whatever, that didn't actually come to be. But just the concept of the way that works. And I seem to be more and more drawn to abstracts. As I get more and more into this hobby, not to an exclusion, like to where that's all I care about, but more and more I'm finding interesting things about these abstracts. So, yeah, I it was on my radar in the periphery, but I'm anxious to play your copy when it gets here. You bet. And that's Tack, a beautiful game. All right. Um, my number 10 is 878 Vikings, the Invasion of England. Um I am pretty new to, to war games as a whole, but it's a, it's definitely a genre I want to dive deeper into. Um, the Academy Games uh, games seem to be a good entry level into that. And uh, Vikings. Um, <laughs> there, there are Vikings. Uh, anything medieval, I, I just I go nuts for. Um, if, it's, if it's medieval or ancient Rome or, or something like that, um, that definitely piques my interest. So when I saw they were doing a, uh, a Vikings game, um, I was like... That, that sounds like something I would definitely be interested in. Is this kind of in the same vein as like what they did with 1775 and stuff like that? Or yes. is it because I'll be yes. honest, this this really didn't hit my radar because of the fact that I'm not going to say I'm past this in war games, but I tend to look at heavier war games than something like this. So it is something similar. My understanding is it's in the same vein. They're calling it the first game in the Birth of Europe series. Okay. So certainly they have kind of the set of games going on. And from the pictures, it appears to be kind of that same uh, lighter, card-driven type game. Uh, But it seems like there's a little more asymmetry with the house carls or Mm -hmm. something, something about the English countryside that doesn't involve... Flaming red beards and broad axes. All right. <laughs> yeah, it just what it seems to me. It seems to be more of an entry level to to war gaming that that seems to uh, appeal to me and and hopefully maybe some others as well. Awesome. This almost made my list. Almost. And that is eight seventy eight Vikings: The Invasion of England. So that brings me finally getting a chance to talk about my top ten. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, uh, my number ten is Cataclysm: A Second World War. By Scott Muldoon and William Todoslavich, I think. Uh, also by GMT. I noticed there's a number of GMT games on my list, but probably not a big surprise. So, two to five player game. 
uh, it simulates the political and military conflict, you know, that was in the 30s and in the 40s. Uh, it's a, it's almost a beer and pretzels type game in that it's not a super heavy. I say this with a playtime of about five hours. That's a lot of beer and pretzels. That's a lot of beer and pretzels. But that said, it's it can be... The game doesn't. The war doesn't have to break out in September of '39 like it really did. That reminds me of another game that I really, really enjoyed, Triumph and Tragedy, to where it could be historic or maybe not. It kind of goes into the whole "what if," and it's not a scripted. Oh, this faction or this unit or this country is going to join the war at this time at this place. I originally had this on the twenty. 2016 anticipation list and there really wasn't a whole lot of uh, word out there about it. In the 2017, I'll be honest, I copied it over and and pasted it and that and that was it. Well, Scott Muldoon actually was like, "Well, what questions do you have? I can a- I can answer." And I was like, "Fair point, my bad." So Scott was kind of saying, "Hey, you know, there's there's more info out there." And so I was like, "Okay, hey, my bad. Let me let me address that." So I actually went and I found a a kind of session pseudo session report from Mark Herman, the Mark Herman, who back in August who said he had an amazing time playing the game and I was like, "Okay, yeah." And I actually quoted him in the write-up that I did on on uh, or on the entry in the geek list and I was like, "Okay, yeah. This sounds like very much my type of game." He, he, you would expect that he knows what he's talking about. You would think so, you know. This game almost made my list um, in that I really like the way it approaches the ideologies of the 30s and the way that uh, fascism and communism came into friction against each other. Between Germany and Italy had slightly different flavors, some with more socialism or not, and how uh, democracy versus communism versus fascism, this very uneasy tripart kind of world balance of power it sounds fascinating and i love getting to see the way that different designers approach the question of the wide open europe or the world in in the 1930s and 40s and you know on that note i hear a lot that people are like oh do we really need another european theater of a world war ii game this and that and i think the answer to that is yes because it's different takes and it's different implementations and it's different ways of taking the same time period and the same theme and being able to look at it from a fresh perspective. Well, and this is the whole world anyway, so those people can keep it to themselves. <laughs> yeah. I love games like this too. They really immerse you in the history a bit. Even even if they're not if they're not really true to history, you still I, I haven't felt anything like like a board game can can make you feel when you're playing a game on this kind of scale. Like you really do feel like you're kind of in it. Um, and that's that's great. And that's another thing that I love about war games in general. And actually a game even like High Treason could come into the, that play to where they're, they're historical. And it might be on a subject that or a time period that you're not really familiar with. And if you're anything like I am, all of a sudden I want to read a whole bunch of stuff about what that is. Oh yeah, it becomes that fountainhead into the entire subject of World War II or World War One or the trial of Louis Riel. Yeah, and I, I love that aspect. For somebody who says theme shmeem in a lot of time in a lot of ways, I feel quite differently when it comes 
to war games because you look at what Columbia Games did with Wizard Kings. It's the same system that they did Richard III, Julius Caesar, Hammer of the Scots and all that stuff. I had no interest in Wizard Kings, even though it's basically the same sit or very similar. You know, it's based off the same system. I want I want something historical. I want something true to life in that respect, even if like what you said, Matt, that it doesn't follow history to the letter and it allows you different ways to go about doing things. So, yeah. Anyway, I realize we got kind of sidetracked there, but um, big props to uh, World and Flames Wendell, too, for helping put this on my radar. And that's Cataclysm, A Second World War. All right, so that brings me to my number nine, which is Beer Empire, designed by a couple of fellas that I met and were friends with now over in Poland. And I'm going to butcher your names, fellas. I apologize. But Philip Glowox. And Irenu's Husha. Thank you. Uh, both for, uh, over at Borden Dice. So a little background on this first off. The original version of this game was called Pune Imperium. And I've been fascinated about it all the way back to before the show started. I heard about this game back in 2013, 2013, 2014. And was really excited at the idea of a really in-depth game about making beer. Even from a guy who doesn't drink beer. And it looked great. And they said, hey, we're going to make this second edition and all this. And all of a sudden, they said, oh, we're completely redesigning it. And now it has a new entry. It's Beer Empire. And the artwork, that, uh, the art direction that they chose to go in, it's this like really hyper-saturated, almost cartoony type look to it. And I was like, fellas, you're killing me. What are you doing? No, you're gutting, <laughs> you're gutting this game that I've been so looking forward to for so long. Fast forward to Spiel last year, and I went over there, and I didn't actually make it over to their booth until Spiel had closed. It's 6 o'clock on Sunday. People are tearing down booths, and I make it over, and I, I, I meet the fellas, and we're like, hey, I'm like, I'm so sorry I just got here, da-da-da-da-da, and they're like, don't worry about it. Let's sit down and go over the game. I was like, awesome. So they gave me a little bit more of an in-depth than an than an high-level overview of the game, and I f- was really concerned that the game had just been gutted, and it became something lighter than what I wanted it to be. By the time I got done with that, I was like, fears fears are assuaged. I have nothing to worry about. There is still plenty of meat on these bones. And I'm super, super excited about just the amount of design and theme that came into this game and that remains in this game. So that's Beer Empire. All right. um, My number nine is Starving Artist by Mike Walkash. I'm trying to get that name right. And it's by uh, Fairway 3 Games. Um, this is an interesting little game. It was actually on my Kickstarter list from last year, but it didn't quite make it to come out in 2016, so it's coming out in 2017. So you did back this? I did back okay. this, yes. Um, so what this game is, is uh, the theme of it is you're an artist, and you have to paint pictures to get money to buy food to live. Because you're starving. Because you're starving. <laughs> and you literally have to choose between buying paint to make your art or food and starving oh my to gosh. death. Whoa. Oh my gosh. So, um, I dig it. I'll be honest. I didn't, yeah. I, I knew nothing about this until this evening. So, yeah, tell me more. I'm all ears. Yeah. So, basically, you have these cards or these big, um, almost uh, 
kind of the uh, terror the size terror size cards. They're probably bigger than that. They're little otter shaped, but they're they're actual paintings. Um, the paintings um, on them have little squares, and on those little squares correlate to the colors of paints you need to paint them. Okay. So it's recipe fulfillment. You're going to get paint. You're going to paint these pictures. You're going to then produce them and then get money. And then when you get your money, you have to decide, do I need food to continue, or do I buy more paint to make more <laughs> pictures? <laughs> so that, it, it, the game is uh, 30 to 60 minutes, approximately 15 minutes per player, so it's filler. It's it's, it's a light game. But, but I a just filler really, that hates you, yeah, it sounds like. I this really, sounds really fantastic, yeah. dude. So um, that's what sold me on it, was, was it's starving artist. You're literally a starving artist. That's Color awesome. Me, so. Color me intrigued. Yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm, I'm excited. And, and, for, and this is one of those cases to where I can't wait until you get the game. Yeah, um, it should be out fairly soon. Um, it looks like because uh, it just missed 2016, so it's into 2017, so that's why it got on this list. Cool. And that's Starving Artist. My number nine is a game called Peak Oil that uh, started out as a print and play uh, and is now going all the way to publishing. In the game, uh, everyone plays executives of big oil companies. That I think that's capital B, capital O, uh, tasked with leading your con- your company into a new, uh, a brave new future where there is no oil. Um, I don't really know much about the game beyond that, but the idea of kind of uh, taking your chances against a depleted oil field uh, while still trying to build an engine. Uh, sounds like a really interesting game, you know, kind of that economic builder, but with friction, you know, a little bit of the game, the game hates you or the game world hates you. And the game ends when uh, the party's over and we're all out of oil. I'm really looking forward to this game. It it narrowly missed the list, but it's on the anticipation list. So it is out on there. I met the guys from Two Tomatoes, who's the, the, the publisher on it. I met them at Spiel and... Seem like really good dudes. I actually saw, I think it was a final version of the prototype. And I like the very stark nature of the artwork on in oh, the game. so cool. Yeah. It really does. It feels like it fits the theme uh, really well. And I'm super, super excited about it. I think it's supposed to be hitting Kickstarter sometime early this year. Don't quote me on that, but I believe so. And... I'll be, you know, right there, anxious to back it. Can't wait. That's Tobias Gorbant and Heiko Gunther's Peak Oil. Number eight on my list is Berlin Airlift, a game designed by John Ponsky, maybe, and David Thompson, uh, published by Legion War Games, or will be published. Uh, This game is, uh, as it sounds, a very tight little war game about the Berlin Airlift. Uh, after the communists uh, locked down Berlin to the convoys, taking in food to the allied portions of the city, uh, the allies had to start dropping care packages from planes that never got to land and sometimes had to dodge the threat or the actuality of anti-aircraft fire. Um, this game took the place or was almost co- cohabitating with Cataclysm on my list. And it's here because, um, a little personal note, my granddad, um, after World War II, was stationed in Germany and was supposedly on one of the lead Jeeps heading into Berlin when the Soviets stopped them with guns and said, no, you can't come in. And so they all had to kind of sit and wait uh, to try to sort out when the convoy could get in. Um, I, 
I don't really know much more about the game than that, but uh, a kind of World War II non-war game sounds very interesting to me. It, it kind of gives me the same feel, and I mentioned this in the geek list, of the Hunters, uh, German U-boats at war, something like that. And it's funny that you have a, a personal tie to this, that a buddy of ours, Naked, Naked Meeple, Jason Patterson, he said his, uh, his mom escaped uh, Soviet-held Germany as a young girl with the Berlin airlift. So he's super, super obviously all over this game once he heard about it and i again this goes back to the whole the theme it draws you in it like if you don't know about the berlin airlift hearing about this maybe that might be like dude and you go down a wormhole be it wikipedia or whatever and you start reading up on that and there's a reason it's on my list it's 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 absolutely something i'm super excited about this game makes me want to read up on it and check all my undoubtedly wrong facts about the Berlin Airlift. Right. And that's the Berlin Airlift. Um, my number eight is uh, Charter Stone. This is by uh, Jamie Stagmeyer and uh, Stonemeyer Games. Oh, okay. The so legacy game. <laughs> it is indeed a legacy game, but it is a, a little bit more, it seems, on the Euro side. Um, it is a, as a worker placement game about building a village. And over time, you learn secrets about the village, and it plays over twelve games. Um, it does it does do the legacy thing, but it seems to to bring some new things to it, and actually uh, incorporates it into some game styles that I personally enjoy uh, a little bit more so than the, the pandemic. And um, hopefully, it doesn't fall into the sea fall category. <laughs> but, um, I, I figured as as much as uh, uh, Jamie's done some really good stuff in the past, so I've. I'm really uh, happy to see what he does with this. Um, still not a whole, whole lot of information about it right now, but... It's supposed to... I think it's supposed to come out late in this year, uh, somewhere the later, uh, like, fourth quarter of 2017. I'm interested in it, but I'm not chomping at the bit interested in it. It's one of those more or less... I guess because of... The disappointment of Seafall, it has me a little bit more, oh yeah, I'll take a wait and see approach as opposed to as excited as I was about Seafall early on or, you know, for the last previous years that it had been talked about. So I think the disappointment of Seafall is negatively affecting my personal sure. enthusiasm for, and for, I can, for I this. I can definitely see how that could happen. Um, I think the legacy, uh, the idea of legacy games is an interesting one. Uh, I still haven't seen any one that super appealed to me yet until Same. this. Yeah. Um, so this is at least a little, feels like it's a little bit more in my wheelhouse. Okay. So um, that's, that's why I'm interested to check out a legacy game that, that feels like it's more geared towards me anyhow. So that's, that's why it's on my list. And that is Charterstone uh, by uh, Jamie Stagmeyer and Stonemeyer Games. My number eight is The Sands of Time by Jeff Warrender, published by Spielworks. So it's a Civ game. That the end. That the Civ game and Spielworks. That they're uh, honestly, it's a game that I have heard about for the better part of two, maybe three years at this point. And our listeners know I'm a Spielworks fanboy. Obviously, I th I think we go about it honestly with their games, but nonetheless. I'm always excited and interested to see what's coming out by Uli over at Spielworks. And it just so happened that a game that I was, you know, aware of from afar 
The Sands of Time got picked up by Spielworks, and now I'm like a Civ game and by you know a publisher that really usually has me pretty excited. That's a win-win. I'll be honest, I don't know that there is a there's not a ton of information out there about it. There is some as far as the way the scoring system works. You get chronicle cards that represent claims of great accomplishments, and to be able to score it. A player has to have a quote-unquote heritage level commiserate with the claim that you're making. And the claims of great works will only be believed and perpetuated <laughs> if the player's civ has established a reputation in the relevant civiliz- civilization category. That's pretty cool. I don't know any other game that does something like that. So it sounds interesting. So like I said, it's a very skin-deep interest or as far as oh wow that really oh yes please i i want to find out more and that's kind of where this falls in that but when you put like i said civ game and spielworks together it falls in as my number eight with spielworks and like you said with the civ game you know that they're going to do it justice and uh seeing that they've picked up the game i would say even heightens your interest in it oh oh uli uli thinks it's worth publishing great now now it must be really good and the the kind of heritage thing you're talking about sounds very interesting where you can't just go score Leonardo da Vinci if you don't actually have a civilization to match it. And that sounds fascinating, kind of that balancing act that that implies. And Jeff, the designer, actually has a design blog that he's been kind of uh, tracking how the development of the game has gone, which I always find interesting. Again, I have no interest in designing games, but I find the 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 way the process works and the the evolution of the game, I find it interesting. And that's the sands of time. My number seven is I can't imagine it's going to be a big surprise. There's got to be at least one 18xx on my list, and that's 18 Ireland. So this is a game that is right on the cusp of being available. It's designed by Ian Scrivens and published by All Aboard Games. So all aboard, they actually put it on their website and said, hey, we're going to make this available, but it's not quite available. It's going to be available in another week or two. And it's got a lot of folks that dig 18xx games really jazzed. Oh, wow. So Ireland as a whole tech is a poor country. And so it's, it's, very, it's a very austere market, it seems like it's going to be. There's 13 five-share companies. Starts in a random sequence, which that in and of itself tells me that reminds me of 1822 as far as the random nature of how the the order in which the the companies are going to come out in the game. And I I dig that, you know, some can be isolated or or due to bad timing, it says. Some are going to struggle to survive. However, a unique share voter or shareholder voting mechanism, which... Normally, if you're the president, you make all, you dictate. Whereas in this, it sounds like the shareholders can vote regardless of what the president wants. If he's outvoted, they can become a a 10-share company and be like, no, screw you, president, no. And that's new and that's exciting. I, I don't know of any other 18xx that does that. So yeah, so that's why it's on my list plus... There, I'll be honest, there's only a couple that are for sure coming out this year, so there wasn't a really long list, but even if there was, I still think 18 Ireland makes my list. 
Here's where I'm glad that I'm pu- plugged into your group and here, uh, Edward, because I wouldn't have heard about this game, but just hearing you describe it, now I want it on my list. Can I, can I read <laughs> my list real quick? There's several I want to redo my list on, too. <laughs> uh, that kind of subversion of your own presidential company sounds fascinating. Yeah, I think it, it should be pretty cool. So that's 18 Ireland. My number seven is, is an interesting uh, one here. It's uh, 1066, Tears to Many Mothers. Which immediately to me thinks it's going to be like some sort of Viking or Ancients game or, you know, something like that. Like dudes on a map, Hex Encounter, something like that. But but no, but it's not. Um, it's by designer Tristan Hall and by Panda GM. Um, basically what they've done here is they've taken uh, an asynchronous Magic the Gathering style card game and applied it to um, the, the Battle of Hastings. Basically what you're doing, you're playing as the Normans and the Saxons in a card game for the Battle of Hastings. This goes back to my uh, I love of medieval uh, stuff, and I just love the artwork on the cards as well. Um, uh, kind of, It kind of reminds me of Ordis Regni in a way, which you know how much I love that. Which you're a huge fanboy yeah. of, yes. yes. So it reminds me of that as well. Um, so it looks like you, can, uh, you get to construct your decks and, uh, and go at it at the Battle of Hastings in different ways and, and see who comes out victorious. But it's a... It's a pretty light, uh, small game. It's nothing uh, big and crazy, but I just just thought of you know the Magic: The Gathering style card game mixed with this this ancient war, um, just uh, kind of piqued my interest. Sounds pretty cool. I it wasn't on my radar at all, and it's not one that I would jump out and go get. But you bring it to the table, sure. Let's let's give it a go. And that is 1066 Tears to Many Mothers. My number seven is Iberian Rails. Uh, I'm a train nut, and so I reserved this spot for a train game. Uh, this was this was as far as I got in my research. This game just finished its Kickstarter. It funded. Uh, the game is one wherein you select characters that give you special powers. At the same time, you're purchasing shares in the different railways uh, to obviously uh, spread across Spain and win. Uh, the the art and game sound. Uh, Seems kind of whimsical. It's got the kind of spiral loop-de-doo uh, tracks like Paris Connection, and uh, I didn't I didn't fund it. I didn't discover it in time. But the game itself seems very interesting, kind of as on the lighter end uh, of a chromey kind of stock stock train game. It it gives me the feel of like a winsome esque type game, or like a Chicago Express or a Almost, Kansas Pacific, yeah, yeah. something like that. But it has this whole character thing to it that just I don't know if this is going to be really really cool or yeah no not my cup of tea so I'm really I'm very curious about it but I don't know if I'm excited about it because I'm more apprehensive that it's more like you said whimsical which there's a place for that but it's not necessarily something that I'm looking for so I'm excited to see when it comes out. Uh, I'm interested to see if it's if it has meat, if it ha- if it, it or if it's just too much the 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 randomness or the you know oh this is a really cool character power that I have. And yeah, you pick Dolly or the mechanized bulldozer, right? Or for your steam trains, exactly right. right. So uh, reserved excitement, I think, is a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah, this one's on my uh, honorable mentions list as well. So. Okay, there you go. Uh, and yeah, the 
kind of what you said about the superficiality of the game, the stretch goals kind of belied that a little bit. You know, one of the stretch goal characters was Dali, uh, and uh, another was equally as kind of ultra um, in not just in the artwork, uh, but also seemingly in the character powers implied by that character. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what Iberian Rails can do. That brings us to my number six, which is Victory and Glory, Napoleon. It's by Glenn Drover, published by Electric Games. Um, and again, like with the World War II uh, design problem, I'm always interested to see how a game designer goes about the Napoleonic War at the level of all of Europe. Um, it's Glenn Drover, and so uh, I expect it to not be quite so um, uh, heavyweight as some of the other entries. But, again, I have a three-year-old, so I don't really have time to play some of those other kind of epic-level Napoleonics games. Um, hopefully for Glenn Drover, uh, his uh, track record with uh, licensing doesn't continue. Otherwise, Napoleon would come back from the grave and sue him <laughs> over the licensing for this game, and they'll have to rename it or something. For me, I'm not a big... This is the one time period in military history that I'm just meh about. I, I remember Napo you saying that. Napoleonics, just... it For whatever reason, I, I, I wish I knew the exact reason why it just doesn't grab me. So this really doesn't... I'll play it. It's just not at all on my radar. Well, um, Victory and Glory plays one to five. So I'll just go play it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> And that's Victory and Glory, Napoleon. Uh, my number six is Sagrada, and this is by uh, Peter Walken and uh, Floodgate Games. Um, it is a dice drafting game where you're building uh, beautiful stained glass windows for churches. Um, we got to see it at BGG Con, like the, the fully production version. It's just it's a beautiful looking game. Uh, a lot of lot of multicolored uh, kind of like translucent dice that you're you're drafting and putting into your windows and. Uh, creating uh, beautiful stained glass structures. It's just a wonderful game. It's got two things going for it as far as I'm concerned. Dice drafting and not many games about making stained glass windows. I like unique off-the-wall stuff, be it really dark like colonialism or something really just bizarre like building stained glass windows or being a lawyer in high treason. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. Something that's new. Give me a unique theme. Make me interested and i really really dig that and i'm i've been really smitten with dice drafting lately so that's why it's yeah, on the on the geek much list picked up on the theme of my two my, my anticipation list of, of weird interesting things um <laughs> with good artwork yeah, right with good artwork that's oh pretty much gosh. um what, what i've uh, what i've been after here is just just I, i'm after the weird and interesting stuff i haven't seen before that's that's kind of my thing so and beautiful too sagrada just looks amazing i mean those translucent dice kind of i mean talk about integrating the theme with the components and the design of a game not to mention kind of the mechanics of it too i mean on the board you know just the photos it looks like you're constructing a stained glass window and that is sagrada by um floodgate games my number six and my number five, both higher on other folks' lists. We'll talk about it then. All right, well, my number five is uh, Pendragon, The Fall of Rome. Uh, this is a coin game by GMT Games, following in the other great uh, coin games. But as, as with some other stuff, it's, it's about um, the 
ancient Rome, ancient, ancient Rome, and, and medieval stuff, and all kinds of fun stuff in there. So it's 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 more ancient than some other stuff. So it piques my interest there. Um, I've been interested in some other coin games as well. I've I've played uh, Liberty or Death, and um, that's pretty much the only one because the one I've uh, I picked up last year that kind of started uh, my interest in some of the coin games. Um, I would like to play more of them. Um, I know I know Edward here has has cooled on them somewhat as of late, but uh, I'm I'm still interested in them. Uh, the thing, the thing that really excites me about it is the fact that it's ancient Rome, so that's a win. Plus, uh, I, I was reading that it's a huge scope of a game, so it's much more strategic level than it is operation level or anything else. Granted, the other coin games are as well, but I love the idea of just a huge scope on this. Couple that with ancient Rome. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I mean, yes, I have cooled on it. And, and the main reason, people have asked me left and right why it is that I've cooled on this. And a lot of it can be summed up real simply as it's a timing game. You get one shot, usually, to really make your move. And if you miss, thanks for playing. So, eh, I don't know that I only want one shot at it and... The fact that I know that I only have one shot at this, and it could be that it's inexperienced because we're not sitting playing, you know, a coin game ten times in a row to be able to really get super proficient at it, and that's on me. So I'm not saying it's an issue with the game. I'm just saying why me, Edward, has cooled on him a bit. That said, like I said, ancient Rome and uh, 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 just a huge scope of the game. I'm interested. This almost made my list, and it's interesting to kind of see the continuation from Falling Sky, where in that game, Rome is in a position of power, whereas here, Rome is descendant and is no longer in the position of power. And I'll be interested to see if Rome winds up being one of the insurgent uh, forces in this game. Yeah, it'd be interesting to play those two back-to-back. Right. Yeah, play Falling Sky and then into Pendragon. And that is uh, Pendragon, uh, The Fall of Rome by GMT Games. My number five is A Handful of Stars, uh, designed by Martin Wallace. It is the last game to be published by Tree Frog Games. Which makes me so sad, oh. yet excited at the same time. And that's part of why it's on my list. Um, I'm very interested to see... Uh, this game is the kind of pinnacle of the Few Acres of Snow system. It is uh, described, quite briefly, as a few acres of snow in space. Um, I'm very interested to see kind of how that, how that design... Um, kind of matures uh, fully. Um, there's not a lot more to know about it other than it's Martin Wallace in space. I saw this. Uh, obviously, I, I was fortunate enough to sit with Martin and talk to him about this game a little bit. And the gist of it is, okay, so A Few Acres of Snow has the Halifax Hammer. Mythotopia has a wonky end game that can go into perpetuity. And this fixes everything. And it's it's basically, the it fixes, and I, I said as much. I said, so this fixes the end game. I was like, well, that's a little harsh. He's like, no, <laughs> no, that's pretty fair. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. A, I, I want to be the Martin Wallace fanboy that I used to be. Because a lot of his recent releases have been, eh, at best. And I, I'm anxious to see him go back to... Good Martin Wallace games. His kind of canonical Martin Wallace. Well, and he, among so many other designers, seems like uh, he especially kind of 
always continues tweaking his designs and perfecting those existing design ideas. Um, and it seems, you know, each of them is an iteration on, on the prior design. And that's why I said I'm kind of excited and sad that Tree Frog Games is no more. Because with this being the last one, he's not, he's not going to burden himself with the publishing and the promotion and all that stuff. And you guys can go back and listen to the interview that I had with Martin and he talks all about this. So the fact is, he gets to just design games, which I think in the long run is going to benefit us as gamers. So I'm excited about it from that aspect, uh, but I'm apprehensive because of the recent track record. So that's why it's not on mine. And that's a handful of stars at number five. My number four is a game called Feudum, designed by Mark Swanson, uh, published by Oddbird Games. Which it, is his design co- or his publishing company. His right. company because they were on Kickstarter and blew away their funding goals. Um, y'all y'all were talking about it just a few weeks ago. It's supposed to be a heavy economics game and the artwork is so off the wall. It's almost like, uh, you know, kids books, you know, the uh, Where the Wild Things Grow or some go or something like that. That kind of just bizarre, fantastical artwork, but with heavy economics on top. And that's what appealed to me originally about it. You say heavy economic and my ears perk up, right? And then the artwork, I mean, as folks heard in the interview we did with Mark, I dig it. Amanda, not so much. But I, I, I think that's the cool thing about the artwork is it's it's going to spark interest. Whether you like it or not, it attracts your eye one way or the other. And then the heavy economic, it's hard for me to parse the heavy economic aspect with that artwork, though. So I'm I'm absolutely curious and interested. I'm excited to review it later on this year when it comes. And I I just don't know what to think about it. I'm not one to read rule books, you know, months and months in advance. So I haven't read through the rule book. I that doesn't interest me, but I am I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm worried because whenever you hear a designer who they develop they they don't go to a traditional publisher and a heavy game, does that mean bloated? I don't know. It, we'll see, but I'm I'm really hopeful that it's a great heavy economic game. I'm really excited from that aspect of it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, you say heavy economics, and I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm I'm in on that too. The art doesn't bother me at all. I, it's a little little odd, but hey, I, I have you noticed from my list, I like odd things. So odds odds not that big of a problem for me either. Um, I, I think it'd probably be a pretty good hit with our group here, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's also on my honorable mentions we'll get to here in a little bit, but yeah, definitely looking forward to it. And that is Feudum. Uh, my number four is uh, Nemo's War by uh, Victory Point Games. Um, I, I, I backed it uh, quite a while ago, and um, it's still in production. Um, that is by designer uh, Chris Taylor. Um, one of our favorite artists is also the artist on that one. This one is Ian O'Toole. Um, so the art on it is absolutely wonderful. Um, it's based on one of my favorite book series as a kid and from all, all time, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I love the Disney movie, Jules Verne 
books in, in all. So that's what really piqued my interest on this one. I know it's a, it's a second edition. Um, the first edition completely passed me by a long time ago. So um, I'm excited for this one. Uh, originally, uh, it was a single-player game. But uh, after the Kickstarter and everything, they've added on some other some other features where it's actually a one-to-four-player game now. It's still cooperative in that, and that it's one-to-four players. But uh, I have a feeling this is one I could probably sit down with Dana and play as a, a kind of as a cooperative kind of together thing kind of a team a team like a solo team game type thing right pretty much and Uh, that's that's how i think of it as and i think it's something that will interest me and amanda i like the theme uh the artwork like you said is amazing i'll be honest the reason i didn't back it is the price tag was a little high i felt like for what it was because of it predominantly being a solitaire game Mm -hmm. That's not to say that solitaire games don't justify price tags. I'm not saying any broad generalization is that. I'm saying me personally, as far as the value that I saw in the game, I was like, yeah, I hemmed and hawed for the entire campaign. (laughs) And finally, I was like, no, show some discipline. So I did. And Travis from Low Player Count has been raving about the game and says that he's, he's a really big fan. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm if worse comes the worse. Uh, we have a, a night to ourselves or whatever. Amanda and I can sit down and kind of team up that solo game. I, I that really appeals to both of us. I think. All right, and that that is uh, Nemo's War by uh, Victory Point Games. All right, my number four is a game that I touched on a little while ago in the anticipating, just looking forward to because this is imminently shipping, and that is. Fields of Despair by Kurt Keckley uh, and published by GMT Games. So World War One, I'm interested. I'll, mostly thanks to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History and his series that he did on World War One. Again, that turned me on to the theme. Then I started going and looking for World War One games, and then that like Pass of Glory stuff like that. But I love block war games. And the fact that this is a black war game that isn't all about trench warfare because, let's face it, World War One predominantly, especially in the Western Front, it's all trench warfare. And this isn't that. And I, the artwork looks amazing. And just I've been following a little bit when Kurt is talking about the game as well as posting pictures. It looks fantastic. I This is... Well, I mean, it's my number four game, most anticipated game of the year, and it's going to be here in the next couple of weeks. This is one that absolutely is going to hit the table as soon as it gets here. I cannot wait. Yeah, I'm like you. I'm so excited to be supremely depressed about reliving World War One. Um, you know, it's funny. We we both kind of came came to the topic of World War One in reverse. We learned about it through the Hardcore History podcast, and now we're seeking out those, these board games that cover the topic. I'm so excited to play it. Should be a lot of fun. There's quite a bit of info out there about this, but I just can't wait. Just want this game. So yeah, Fields of Despair by GMT. So my number three arguably could be my number two or maybe even my number one. I actually just learned about this game two days ago. It doesn't even have a game entry on BoardGameGeek. It's called Stellar Horizon by Compass Games, designed by Andrew Rader. It's the, the concept of it is a build-your-own space program. Not like the Kerbal space program, something <laughs> like that, 
but you lead one of the Earth factions to explore and develop our solar system. But this is such an epic feeling game just from the pictures and the read up. Just not a lot of info out there. It's got a big price tag. It the pre-order price is 105 bucks. So it's got a massive uh, price tag. But the pictures that I found over on Compass Games website, the it's the the tech tree is massive on this thing, and the ways that you can outfit different ships, and the way you can just basically, like it says, design your own space program. From the ground up. I should note that much like Phil Eklund, this guy's a rocket scientist that designed this. And again, kind of going back to that whole new designer, you know, he's in that realm. Is he going to overdo it to where it's more of an experience than it is an actual game? But the the map looks amazing. The player or the the, the actual player boards with the the, the ships. There's tons of chits. There's tons of upgrades. There's tons of tech. Just this looks like if if there is a space game out there that is truly really going to grab me, God, I hope this is it because it looks unfreaking believable. It it sounds amazing. Um, and this game is probably going to be one of those games that flies over my head for at least the first five plays until we can all rise to the level of rocket scientist. I hope that's it, but but th- there's enough there that it feels fun. Still, it's enjoyable. Yeah. It's it, it it's not just why am I doing this and this is uh, it's tedious and all that. Obviously, all we can do is hope. Right. I mean, but Compass Games has put out a lot of really great war games. This seems not at all a war game, and so I. It feels like kind of like when GMT went into the 18xx realm. Maybe it's going to be something like that. It's there's different scenarios you can play. It, I, I think the time frame on this was one to twenty hours. So smaller scenarios or the whole enchilada, you choose. And hey, we have room in the basement now. So, but yeah, I I gotta say that of all the new games that I've learned about over the course of making my anticipation geek list and all of that, this is the one game that literally made me audibly go, oh my, when I saw this, I was like, dude, I need this game in my life. I am super, (laughs) super excited about it. And honestly, the only reason it's not higher is I just found out about it, number one. And number two, there's a little bit of apprehension about it. Like I just learned about it two days ago. Doesn't have a game entry. It like what is the actual status of this? Does it stay on the pre-order list for three years? I don't know. But yeah, dude, super, super excited about this yeah. game. This is your um, your excitement about this has been infectious over the past couple of days. Yep. You doing your anticipation list? So yeah, first time I've heard about it either. But you know. I've I've trusted your judgment in the past and it hasn't steered me wrong yet. So um, let's yeah, keep going with it. All right. So that's Stellar Horizon by Compass Games. Oh, and I guess I should mention here. Like I said, it doesn't have a game entry, but if you go to the Anticipation Geek List, I have a link there, or you just go on the Compass Games website and look up Stellar Horizon. Stellar with two L's. 
Um, my number three is mentioned uh, later on someone else's list, so we'll uh, keep going. Also, one of, it's my previous one. Go ahead. My number three is a game called John Company. Uh, it's by Cole Worley, another kind of new-ish game designer uh, known for an infamous traffic, among others. And Pax Premier. And Pax Premier. Uh, the game is the multi-generational story of the British East India Company. You play different people within a broad extended family uh, who go out, earn posts, and try to earn prestige or something, or maybe infamy, uh, during their career uh, in the British East India Company. Um, this game sounds fascinating just because it's a designer with a very fresh perspective uh, tackling a subject in kind of an off-the-wall way. Um, we have, just from playing an infamous traffic, it's very interesting to see kind of how he approaches this game design obliquely from how almost anyone else looks at how to put together a game. And the themes that he comes up with are, they're fresh, they're interesting, they're obscure, and again, this goes back to what you were saying earlier, Matt, the, the offbeat or odd duck type stuff. And I'll be honest, everything I've played by Cole which is all of the two games that you mentioned, I'm a fan of. I dig them both. And this is anything Cole puts out, I'm going to be interested in. It's in my honorable mentions. It very well could have been in my top 10 as well. I think some of these are interchangeable. So yeah, I know that we have a buddy in our game group that actually has a playtest copy that I'm looking forward to trying, possibly as soon as Saturday. So yeah, it should be... I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited to check it out and look at it myself. Uh, that's uh, going to be published by Sierra Madre Games, and that is John Company. My number two game is Brazil. It's what was on number three for Matt and number six for Edward. Yep, and uh, again, yeah. eh, it's six. Could have been three, could have been nine, whatever. Brazil is the new design entry by Nuno and Paulo from What's Your Game?, um, the designers of Madeira and so many others. And this just looks like another kind of home run game by seasoned game designers. Um, I don't know much about it other than it is an economic game in Brazil as the country pivots from gold mining, or rather from the sugar rush to gold mining. That that kind of pivot within the game to me sounds interesting. You know, most most Euro games have a pivot where you go from building an engine to making scoring points. points. Right, exactly. Yeah. But are there two parallel economies here? What's going on? I want to know. Uh, I really want to play this game. Yeah, I, I mean, it's been on a lot of our radars and and listeners of the show. They they've known about this for a year, year and a half or so. They decided actually to. It was originally supposed to come out last Essen. But they decided, you know what? The game's not ready. We're not going to rush it. So kudos to both Nuno and Polo as well as Mariano and Veronica at What's Your Game for not rushing it. The game's done when the game's done. So kudos on that. And hopefully it makes for a better game. And knowing what they've put out, you know, over the course of the last, I don't know, handful of years, we're all looking forward to it. There's a reason it's on all of our lists. And yeah, uh, it, it's a subject they, they, they're they interested in, which means they research and they have they have a knack of tying the theme into the game and not having it, uh, quote unquote, pasted on theme. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Can't wait to check it out. And as far as I know, coming out at Spiel 
2017. And that's Brazil. Um, my next game is uh, fairly new. I just learned about it earlier this week. Um, and it is uh, Arcology by uh, Albin Viard, uh, one of my favorite designers. Now, I am hedging out some bets that this will actually come out in 2017. But uh, Albin, Albin said uh, that it's probably post-Essen, which my guess is that means it's probably 2018, but we can hope that it right, makes it. Sure, we're going to hope it makes it in 2017, but it will probably be on a list next year if it's 2018. Because it's Albin Viard, and I have every game he's made so far, so um, I'm, I'm going to be after this one as well. Um, just uh, Lately, Tramways has been seeing a lot of table time. It's it's pretty fantastic. Um, uh, small city. Um Small city and uh, everything else that he's put out, um, I'm a big fan of. So um, this is just going to be another one in that. And uh, what this game is, is uh, he's taking the the 3D city building game that is uh, akin to Town Center and merging that with Small City to create another game. Which the spatial element of just, I struggle myself just with spatial games. Mm -hmm. You excel at spatial games. Mm And so this is I, – I, I really enjoy Small City. Uh, Town Center I struggle with because, the, the again, the 3D nature of the game or take a game like Clinic where it's a, two, a 3D picture on a 2D piece of paper, which really it broke Amanda's brain when we first played it. She quit. She's like, I can't do it. I'm done. And we love Alvin Villard's games. I'm excited about it in a sense that, ooh, more Small City. Yay. But the town center aspect, that 3D, I'm like, uh. yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get you back to playing town centers a couple more times. I think if you, you played it a little bit more, it would click better for you. And, sa- and same with Clinic. And yeah. I know Amanda's on board with, with playing Clinic again. Oh, absolutely. I would like to, you know, actually finish the game this time. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And that is Arcology by Albin Viard. So following my theme of, hey, this game doesn't have an entry on BGG. Next up is Gentes, I think is how you pronounce it, G-E-N-T-E-S, by Stefan Riesthaus, designer of the Golden Elephant Award winner Arkwright. This is his next big game, published by Spielworks. The thing that really appeals to me is the way that both Stefan and Uli have talked about the interesting timing mechanism in this game and the way the timing mechanism works. And I'll be honest, I don't want to butcher it because it's not fresh in my head what exactly they said. Go back and listen to our interviews with them. That said, uh, Spielworks, Stefan Reeshaus, and Unique Mechanisms, I'm in. Gentis, can't wait. Which brings us to number one. This was arguably my number one last year. If it was going to make it out, it didn't. It hopefully will make it out in, I want to say it's April, I could be thinking August, but somewhere 2017, this is supposed to come out. And that's Mr. President by GMT Games, designed by Gene Billingsley. It's a solo game. It's playable by one player. So let's take that aside. Amanda and I, me and Matt, you and me, Ash, we can sit down and play tag team this as a solitaire game. And you, it's all about governing as POTUS as the president of the United States. It's not an election game. It's it's all about being the president and having to deal with everything that the president has to deal with. That's fascinating to me. That is that is 
just mind blowing and just the the mind blowing. Yeah, I'm so excited to get to play this game. You know, if every board game is a power fantasy, what better power fantasy than to say you're the president, deal with this crisis, go. Yeah, and it, there's a quote in here that says Depending on the results of your choices and the unfolding of a different every game story, you'll either be thinking, POTUS, piece of cake, or why was it that I wanted this job? (laughs) And the fact that I've heard that it plays over a significant number of hours, and by significant, I mean you can play it over multiple sessions. It's going to give that epic feel, and it's going to give you that immersion of oh my God, what am I supposed to do in this? If I do this, I'm going to piss this, you know, just that, that tug of war, the, the, every concept or every decision has a consequence, be it seen or unforeseen. And just the concept of this game, the moment I heard about it, literally I read about it. I saw it. I backed it on the P 500 done. And I've been waiting ever since. Cannot freaking wait for this game. Just, Stupid excited for Mr. President by GMT Games. All right. My number one. Um, I tried to stay away from too many reprints on this list, but there is one that I've been trying to track down for uh, years now. Um, and it's just been way out of, out of my price range. So when I heard it was going to be reprinted, it, it immediately shot up to number one on the 2017 anticipation list. And that is Antiquity by uh, Splatter Spellin and Yoris and Yaroon. Um, this is arguably my wife's favorite game, um, so I've been trying to get a copy of it under 200 bucks for a while now, and it, that just does not exist. So um, if I can get a copy for $100, it's, it's new, then uh, that, is, that is going to be uh, one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite games as well as hers. We've played it, we've borrowed uh, Edward and Amanda's copy, or half of it, as it were, a couple of times just to, to play it two players. Um, and, and we've, we've actually, uh, gotten pretty well versed in it, um, playing each other anyway. So, um, we, we've learned, uh, what not to do on the first turn. So you don't end up in the death spiral of pollution and, Oh, I have no wood. I have no wood. <laughs> I have no wood and there's too much pollution and there's no place to go and that kind of stuff. So, um, it, it is a brutal game. It will, it, the game hates you and is yeah, trying to kill you. It does. It does indeed. And it's. It's great for that. Um, there's also the spatial aspect of the game that I enjoy. So it's got a little bit for me. It's got a little bit of stuff for Dana. Dana loves games that hate her because she loves to hate them right back um, <laughs> until she she conquers them, and she does. Um, I, I, I love her for that. Um, so, yeah, um, Antiquity. I kept the reprints to my honorable mentions, but this game, I mean, it's legendary. And the fact that it's finally going to be freely available, uh, I think, is just a great way to start the year. Somebody asked me on the on the Anticipation Geek list about, do I get excited about reprints? And I kind of gave a mixed answer on this. I personally... I'm interested to see what they do in the reprints. And by they, I mean the designers and publishers in whatever game that gets reprinted, be it Antiquity or be it CO2 or whatever. I'm curious to see what kind of revisions are done, both in components as well as gameplay. But outside of that, 
we usually own the game already, so it doesn't really affect us personally so much. However, the reason I'm excited for the reprints, again, regardless of what it is, is the fact that, A, more people get to enjoy this game. Because like you said, Matt, it's it's prohibitively expensive on the secondhand market, and it has been for, well, better part of a decade. Um, but not only that, We've made a lot of friends in the industry now, be it designers, publishers, and it's exciting to see their games get more run, more play, and it's just, it's a win-win for the hobby. I think it's a great thing, and so I'm excited about it in kind of an altruistic way, even though it might, quote-unquote, hurt the value of my version of the game. I don't care you about that. You are never going to sell antiquity anyway. Right, right, exactly. Even if I was, it doesn't matter. I, I just think the idea of it is fantastic. And I'll be... I'm very curious specifically for antiquity, the reprint, if and what they choose to change in the game because of the public backlash that they have gotten with Indonesia... Rightly or wrongly, I think it's much, it's a mountain out of a molehill. However, I wonder if that makes them a little leery from changing the components too drastically or going from cardboard to wood or or just doing a straight reprint, which at this point, I wouldn't blame them for the simple fact that the amount of grief that they've caught about the Indonesia thing, it's just... Yeah, I'm. I'm really curious to see how this plays out this oh, year. Gosh, I hope they don't uh, shy away from that. I love the new components in the new edition of Indonesia, and you know, so size matters not. Uh, happy accidents happen all the time in design, and I think I really hope that they kind of upgrade or update, upgrade uh, the the game the way that they want it to be done. Ideally. Yes, the components would be smaller in Indonesia, but people saying that it's unplayable, and I'm like, come on, slow down, folks. And I'm not just saying this because they're our friends. I'm saying this because we have a copy. I played on it at Essen, and it, it's just, it's, whatever. So anyway, I'm, I'm curious to see it, and I'm genuinely yeah. excited that it's getting a reprint. I hope they change a couple of those icons they use for the goods because they yes. look very similar. Um, I don't see a whole lot of changes they need to go to make. Maybe making some of the goods a little bit bigger. They're a little tiny for big-fingered people. But um, other than that, I don't see a whole lot of stuff that needs to be changed there. Yeah. That is Antiquity by Splatter Spelling. All right, Ash, bring it home. What All you right. got? My number one is Edward's number five was an explosion on Kickstarter. It is Lisboa by Vital Lacerda. Uh, art is by Ian O'Toole, and it's been going to be published uh, by Eagle Griffin Games. You know, they put it on Kickstarter, but in a lot of ways, that was just a glorified uh, pre-order with a video on top. Um, you know, it's a veteran designer, veteran publisher. This game is going to happen. Uh, it's already happening. Um, I'm so excited to get to play this. Uh, it's building, rebuilding the city of Lisbon, or Lisboa, after a magnitude 9 earthquake followed by a tsunami and three days of fires that destroyed the city. So basically the worst part of the Bible. Uh, right, yeah. gotcha, yeah, gotcha. All, all at once. The worst week ever. <laughs> um, I'm, I accidentally made a theme for my top two of the Portuguese sphere of the world between Brazil and Portugal. Uh, but this, uh, this game just looks fantastic. 
between kind of the integration of the art and the theme and clearly a topic that's very close to Vital's heart. This is Vital getting back to his roots that something like a Venus reminds me of. The fact that that game is just hard and this game is hard in a good way. And it's it's decision trees within decision trees. Hey, I have a card. I play a card every turn. Do I play it to the board or do I play it to my tableau? And then if I play it to the to the board, then I have other pl- which spot on the board and then depending on which spot on the board, which place in that spot do I go? And everything has a different decision tree to it. If I play it to my tableau, do I play it to the top? If so, then I have choices there. If I play it to the bottom, I have choices there. And so it's just like Lahav in that respect. In Lahav, you have two action or two choices. You either take an offer or you go to a building. That's it. Mechanically, really simple. Not a lot there. But hello, decision space. And I feel like this goes back to that whole just really hard but hard in decision-wise games that that VTOL that I have grown to love of his games. So really excited about it. The artwork, like you said, ties in magnificently with it, with that whole blue tile that was all over Lisbon uh, back then. And it just, Ian O'Toole's artwork, he could design a a TV tray and I would probably (laughs) be interested in it at at this point. Um, But yeah, just really, really excited we're fortunate enough to have one of the prototypes here that is definitely going to be hitting the table early and often in 2017 and just just looking forward to it to uh, being delivered. Yeah, same here. I'm, I'm a big fan of Vital as well. Um, we've, we looked at it a bit. Uh, it definitely reminds me of... It, it's got a little bit of everything in it from a lot of his games. I see like what you're saying with the, the decisions. It, it, they're easy and simple. It's kind of like the gallerist where you've got one pawn to move. You, you move it here, you move it there, you move it there. That's it. But <laughs> you move it there, you kick somebody else out. And here it's got a little bit of the, the, the bumping aspect as well. Uh, yeah, Kanban as well. You have one dude in you Kanban. You, that's <laughs> yeah. it. It's that, that's really, one yeah. thing I really like about Vital's games is it, on the surface, what you have to do is very simple, but why you do it is not. Right. So um, that's one thing I really enjoy about those games. Uh, the other thing I like about the game is the kind of uh, humorous take on victory conditions for the game. What you're ultimately pursuing is not prestige or victory points or even money, such a, a mundane thing. But in 1750s, uh, the thing that you're trying to get are bigger and better and fancier wigs. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm excited to get my copy of Lisbon and I'm excited to get me a fancy powdered wig. We should all get wigs to wear while we play. There we go. Yes. And that is Lisboa. All right, Amanda, you want to tell them how to get in touch with us? Our website is heavycardboard.com. Our email address is contact at heavycardboard.com. We love hearing from y'all, so please don't be shy. Our Twitter is heavycardboard. Facebook is heavycardboard. Our YouTube channel is heavycardboardvids. Our Instagram is heavycardboard. Our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash heavy cardboard. Please take a look and give us some support. Our BGG Guild number is 2044. We also have a phone number for y'all to call and leave us voicemails if you want. The number is 720-675-8975. Call us and leave us your thoughts or questions, and hey, they might even be featured on the show and answered. (laughs) 
All right, so we're going to quickly run through because nobody can ever stick to a, a, a top 10. Hello, Mr. I made 11. So we, ha- we each have five honorable mentions, so I'm just going to power through mine real quick. 18CZ, 18XX from Lenny Orgler, who also designed 1880, 1844, 1854, as well as Russian Railroads. Kickstarter coming in March. Looking forward to that. Feudum has, has already been covered. John Company has already been covered. And then two others that weren't. Anachrony, designed by Richard Amon, Victor Peter, and David Terzi, published by Mind Clash Games. This is the follow-up to their huge hit in Trakirian. It looks like a unique two-tiered worker placement game in a sci-fi setting. The sci-fi setting and the miniatures, I'll be honest, eh, whatever, I don't care. But the two-tiered worker placement in it sounds really interesting to me. And I'll be honest, both Victor and David... When I saw them at Spiel, they talked me into it. And I'm like, "Ah, all right, yeah, it sounds good now. All right, fine. Um, So looking forward to that. And last but certainly not least is Soul, Last Days of a Star, designed by Ryan and Sean Spangler from Elephant Laboratories. No, not just because it's an elephant. (laughs) High interaction, low luck game uh, in a sci-fi setting where players are trying to harvest energy from a dying sun to help play, uh, help save your your planetary residence before being swallowed into the oncoming uh supernova this i owe thanks to uh, our friends over at the board game group uh mo linden and brian who spoke super high of this game so two years ago at bgg con uh i got a chance to see the game it looked really good excited to the kickstarter is going to deliver here soon just really looking forward to it so that's my five uh honorable mentions 18 cz anachrony feudum john company and soul last days of a star all right i will uh, do my my five um Honorable mentions here. Uh, the num- the first one I have is also Anachrony, which uh, he just uh, talked about. Just uh, worker placement, messing with time. Uh, comes comes from the same guys that did Tracarian, which I really enjoyed. So um, that's on my list here. Um, I did reserve the space to do a couple of more reprints as well. Uh, CO2, second edition, um, I put on this list because uh, I, I love pretty much everything Vital does so that's the one Vital game that I was kind of eh on but I played it so early on I want to say we played it in like November of 2012 we'd only been in a hobby a couple of months mm-hmm. so the semi co-op nature kind of was like eh mm-hmm. to me but now that I'm a little bit more mature in in the hobby I'm, I'm I want to give it another try yeah, um, me and Dana just we, we did our first play of it here just a couple of months ago, and I played it, um, and it was I really enjoyed it. It actually reminds me of Crisis a little bit, and it's it's semi cooperative nature where you don't want the world to explode or the economy to implode, but you also want to win. So it's kind of got that going for it. Um, my other one is Container um, because it's super hard to get. So and I should preface. I just didn't include reprints in mine. So, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what Mercury Games does with uh with Container. Yeah. So we we did our first play of it uh, just a couple of about a month or two ago. We played it. That's the first time I played it, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, my other one was also talked about by Ash was Iberian Rails. Um, just kind of very winsomey train based stock game. So, um. All sound good to me. Um, the characters look interesting and weird, which uh, interesting and weird. It follows up with everything else I've been saying. So, 
Um, we'll go with that. And my last one is uh, Three Kingdoms Redux, um, just because it is it is a great game. Uh, probably, I would have to say probably the best three-player game I, I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I think the only one that really could be considered with it maybe is Maria? Question mark? Yeah. But yeah, uh, Three Kingdoms Redux, we covered it really early on in the podcast, and it still sees table time, and we still love it. And it's gorgeous. Really excited that Clay over at Capstone is reprinting it. Yep, just kind of saw a little bit of a resurgence here a little bit ago, and that's when I got to play it the first time, the second time, the third time, and I think the fourth time. <laughs> uh, it, it hit pretty quickly, and then I was like, I, I, I need this game in my life. And then soon, pretty soon after that, we learned it was going to get reprinted. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll wait till, for the reprint. We'll see what happens there. So I'm, I'm very interested in that as well. My five honorable mentions, uh, like I said, my reprints are here. And so the first is the reprint of Antiquity that we've already discussed. The next is the reprint of Wildcatters, another very hard-to-get game, well-loved by the podcast. Hasn't been announced yet, so... I- your 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 anticipation geek list might say something <laughs> to the contrary. Uh, and next is the reprint, the rather the twentieth anniversary reprint of Hannibal: Rome versus Carthage. Uh, it seems like there's going to be some updates to that as well. Uh, the next on my honorable mention list is a new game called Steamship Company. It's the newest entry by Matt Gertz. Uh, it seems like it slid a couple of years as it gets developed, uh, but nevertheless, uh, always. Always looks interesting, the design from Matt Gert. That's one that really came close. It was one of my last cuts, uh, to be honest with you. But the thing that that just, I was like, is it going to get pushed and slid to the next year? It's happened two or three years now. And I'm anxious to see it. Matt Gertz always warrants checking out what he's putting out. Uh, I, I dig his Rondell games. But yeah, I, there's only room for so many games, right? And the last on my honorable mention list, it's actually the game I'm most anticipating, but I don't know if it's coming out in 2017 or not. Um, to continue with the weird and different, it is a role-playing game called Project Dark. It is um, designed by Will Hindmarch, and uh, this was a Kickstarter from several years ago now, I think three. Um, he is creating a new role-playing game from scratch uh, that is all about stealth and sneaking and thieves. And one person plays the quote-unquote house, and the other players are thieves trying to sneak into the uh, eponymous house and steal the goods. You play your special kind of role-playing skills with a deck of cards. You build your deck, you build your skills, and you play your cards, and you start out uh, kind of stealthy and hidden, and maybe you get caught and discovered and have to flee. He's continuing to develop it, and I think it's coming together. Hopefully soon, uh, I'll get to play Project Dark. I'm surprised. That I really expected that one right there to be Democracy Under Siege, um, but it, it's, it's gone quiet, so I don't know what's going on with it, I'm, and that's why I didn't include it on my list. But uh, yeah, cool. So, uh, so let's bring Amanda back in here. She's been patiently listening to all this and do any of these pique your interest yeah absolutely um i have nine so oh nice okay <laughs> cataclysm interests me in that it's possibly a historic that that's very interesting to me the sands of time starving artist just sounds cool so does berlin airlift 18 ireland there's always room for another 18xx game 
Stellar Horizon. I was actually in the room with Edward when he when he laid out the audible whoa and made me very interested in what he was talking about. John Company, because I love all of Cole's games. Brazil and Mr. President. We have been looking forward to this game for a very long time and I'm so hoping it comes out this year. Yeah, it, it, it's on the schedule. I mean, things get slid with GMT, but let's hope. So cool. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that you're actually, oh, hey, you know, interest peaked yeah. on some of these. So cool. Definitely. All right. So it's a long episode, but hopefully y'all enjoyed it. And there's a little bit here for everybody, I think, if not a lot of bit for everybody here. So thanks for joining us, fellas. Thanks Ash, for having Matt. us on. This was yes. so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I've always been hanging around and hearing you guys do the podcast. I'm excited to actually be on it. Cool. So thanks again and uh, give us feedback. Let us know what you think and let us know what your top five, top ten anticipated games are of the year. Check it out over on the Guild or email us, Twitter, Facebook, etc. all those things. But especially in the Guild, check it out. And with that, Amanda and I will be back by ourselves next week to review High Treason, The Trial of Louis Rial. Catch you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.